0: Hello and welcome to the Admin Bar, the community and podcast connecting the people with the products, the lessons and strategies to help push their business forward. My name is Kyle Van Dusen and with me is my co-host and good friend, Matt Siebert. How's it going today, Matt?
1: It is going well. I always talk during this point, so I'm going to just fire it right back at you. How are you doing, Kyle?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm super excited about today. Uh, Today's topic is something we've been working on for I don't know a, a little over a month now, and mm-hmm. we're kind of working on a lot of this behind the scenes, and we've been waiting to put out this podcast episode when we had everything ready. So, uh, just excited to jump in. We got a lot to get to today, so I, I figure we probably skip the banter a little bit and talk about this.
1: Heck yeah! So, what is it that we're uh, we're going to be talking about?
0: So uh, about a month ago, I posted inside of our uh, Friday Chaser email a link to a survey I was doing of like WordPress agencies uh, specific to like their income, the kind of work they do, their team size and all that. And so we've collected all that data. We had a little, I think just over 300 people respond to that. Um, And so we've been working behind the scenes to kind of parse out all that data make sense of it, present it in some kind of intelligent way, hopefully, uh, in some way that's digestible and, and makes sense to people. So really excited to kind of go through all that together today and talk about it. But before we jump into that, we do have a couple housekeeping items to take care of. One is to make sure to stop by our website, theadminbar.com, where you can find notes to the show, as well as links to everything we're going to talk about in today's episode. There's going to be links to all the data, the raw data inside Airtable that you can take and do with what you want, Uh, the posts that we've put together with a really cool uh, infographic that Matt made. Um, But you can also find other things like our job board, uh, products we have, links to subscribe to our newsletter, and all those kinds of things. So, uh, And definitely, there's a big call to action to join our group. If you're not part of our group already, we got about five Thousand members in there that are super friendly and helpful and uh, most of who made up this survey so definitely come join us there and have some fun if you're not already part of the group and lastly i want to say a huge thank you to today's sponsor the content lab the content lab provides reliable white label content writing services for digital agencies and their clients whether it's content strategy website copy lead magnets blogs or even email marketing and newsletters the content lab has you covered Now, I've been working personally with Abby and her team for well over a year now, and what I like best is the complete peace of mind I have when I send a project her way. I know I won't be waiting ages for clients to send copy, and I know the copy my clients get will be perfectly formatted for the web, optimized for search engines, and conversion focused. Now, if you're struggling with copy, then I would suggest you head on over to thecontentlab.ie. Yes, they are Irish and let Abby know we sent you. I think you'll be as surprised as I was at just how affordable it is, and I know you'll be blown away with their work. All right, Matt, so I think what we need to do here is start this off talking about a few little caveats before we dive into the details, because I think there's a few things worth noting, especially so we don't get flamed later on for this. I just want to put it out there first uh, that we talked about these things, right? So the first one is uh, we're not mathematicians, we're not statisticians, and we're not pollsters. Like we did our best going through this data and trying to make sense of it. Chances are we made some mistakes, right? So I did everything with a calculator. I did all my work twice, but uh, I'm still no mathematician.
1: And to add on that too, um, like I'm not good with numbers um, at all. I never have been. But that said, um, anybody that that is or loves numbers um, and like finds unique, creative ways to put them together. um, If you do look at this content and you see, oh, well, you know, you guys totally missed like this correlation or something. Absolutely. Tell us. Um, I'd love to add that to the infographic and just, you know, continue to expand on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A good point. Great way to qualify a podcast episode, too, by saying we have no idea what we're doing. Um, (laughs) I guess the second thing here is all these findings are very anecdotal. So there's, I don't know how many th- hundreds of thousands of WordPress agencies out there. We got in a survey uh, results from 321 people. So it's not an insignificant number. It wasn't 10, it was 321, but it's also not a huge sample size. So I don't think this is a complete, true representation of WordPress agencies as a whole, but more just the subsample of the people we surveyed. Now, we could extrapolate that out a little bit, but, you know, take everything you hear here with, with a grain of salt. The other thing is, going through this, you know, I kind of put the survey together, uh, excited about it. I'm very, uh, I love to get things done, so I'm always anxious to get things out the door, Uh I realized in getting the results almost immediately, there are some things we definitely should have done differently. Mm -hmm. I think this thing was a huge success. So I'd like to do it, you know, annually. So I think next year, I'm already putting together some notes um, for how we could do this differently in the future. And if you have ideas back to Matt's point, if you have ideas on things you'd like us to collect next year, definitely let us know because we can uh, try to incorporate that in there. Absolutely. And then the, the last thing here is, we tried to put together this blog post without injecting our own opinions into it. So, this podcast episode is going to be our first chance at injecting some of our thoughts and opinions into this. We wanted to try to make the blog post as true to the data as possible so you can take from it what you wish. Uh, but we're going to be k- kind of giving our thoughts on all of this here. Uh, but, you know, definitely go through the data yourself, see what stands out to you, because I think. Everybody looking at this would come up with something different uh, based on all these numbers.
1: Yeah, and to your point, like I mean, I've already injected my uh, my like personal feelings in this a little bit when I was creating the uh, the infographic. After I did, I sent it over to you, and you're like, "Oh, it's super interesting that you focused on these aspects," where like you hadn't thought of those or like you saw those as like not as important as what you saw or you took out of it. So I'm, I'm really curious. Like we both kind of, we love the numbers. We love like, you know, reading about this, but we both took something like pretty different away from you know, the same, the same set of data. So that's another reason why I think that, you know, the people that are are reading this, looking at this, watching this, whatever, you guys are probably going to see other things or take other things away. So just really reinforcing that, like we want to hear that. So the next time we do this next year, we're able to do this in a way that just, you know, makes it that much better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, too, me and Matt purposefully did not discuss any of this data other than what we needed to for just logistics of putting everything together. But we didn't talk about what we thought was interesting, what we found, any of that. We wanted to save that for today's conversation. So this is really the first time me and him are discussing that, which is kind of hard to do. Going, Going a month without talking about this has been difficult.
1: Yeah, this might be a pretty raw episode here.
0: Yeah, well, you know, par for the course, right? Absolutely. All right. So let's dive in here and take a look at this. So the first thing you're gonna find in this uh, post is this infographic map put together, which is super awesome. So let's just go through this uh, little by little and see what we can kind of pull from it. So the first thing to note is yes, we did survey uh, 321 people filled in the form. There were a few people who filled in some of the questions, not all the questions, none of them were required. So I did make account for that in some of the statistics here, but uh, just about everybody filled in everything. And then we had people from 22 different countries fill this in. So uh, Matt put together a nice little map to kind of help visualize that and how many people from each one of these countries. All right, so here, uh, the first thing we're gonna take a look at is kind of what agencies are charging for their WordPress website. So that's the first part of this infographic here. So about 35 and a half percent Price their projects generally speaking between 2500 and $5,000. so we gave everybody a range inside the the options and that range definitely got the highest percentage amount which is I think where I I selected for myself as well
1: yeah that's uh, that's definitely where I, I sit as well uh, I found it kind of interesting that uh, you know only 0.6 percent are charging 30000 plus
0: yeah I don't know I guess I'm not too surprised just knowing the community. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of people doing huge, huge projects. And those that are, are probably too busy to spend time doing a survey like this, I can just imagine if you're doing $100,000 jobs, you're probably not spending a lot of time inside of a Facebook group. So I think that's kind of part of the problem with these numbers too, is we're also getting the people you know, like us that can spend time in a Facebook group. And I just imagine, I don't know, but I imagine the people doing $100,000 jobs are probably not spending a lot of time inside of the group.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, like, even, even this is like, you know, it's, it's all averages. So, you know, I mean, we've, we've built websites for, you know, on the low end and the high end, but on average, you know, both you and I are in that 35.5%.
0: Sure. Exactly. All right. So the next thing here uh, in this section is the uh, annual revenue. So I just asked everybody what their annual revenue was in 2021. Uh, So you can see here in the chart, most of the people surveyed 40% of them were under $50,000 uh, the next closest was between 50 and 100,000 uh and 17% got in between the 100,000 to 149,000 dollars range so i thought this one was pretty interesting because this if i had to put a hypothesis out before i did this survey this is probably not exactly how i would have pictured it
1: yeah and the uh the steady the steady decline like it's it's very um you know, it's, 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 it's very patterned. Like the, the way that it falls is, uh, is interesting to me. Um, and a lot of this too, is that our group does consist of a lot of people that are just starting out. So, you know, I think that that really does show what our group holds.
0: Yeah. I think that that's obviously a huge part of it. The other thing that I guess one thing I would want to do differently next year, and I don't know how easily we'll be able to get this information out of people, but you know, your revenue is kind of a, a silly number to measure, because if your expenses are really high, well, the revenue number doesn't matter. If your expenses are 90% of your revenue, then who cares if you make a million dollars, you're still not making a ton of money, right? So I think revenue is kind of fun to look at, but it's also it doesn't mean a whole lot in the end.
1: Right? Yeah, we need, uh, we need to ask, you know, what what the uh, what the gross is and what the net is next time. I think that'll give us uh, a a more interesting balance there.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, I, I think for You know, I think back to when I was first starting out my first few years, like my goal was always to hit that $100,000 mark because just, I don't know, that seemed like a cool number to shoot for being able to make a hundred grand, you know? So I feel like a lot of those people, not all of them, obviously some people are doing this part-time. Some of them are just doing this to make the living they need and spend as much time away from work as absolutely possible. But I imagine a lot of those people between the zero to $100,000 range, that's probably their target as well. Right. And later on in this, as we get to the bottom of this post, we actually, I did some individual analysis on the people who are solo and who make uh, $100,000 or more. So we can kind of see what they're doing differently, which I thought was interesting. All right, so let's jump in here. The next thing we asked is about accessibility. So it's a little hard to quantify, um, you know, how people do accessibility, it's a huge spectrum. So basically what I asked is if they pay no attention to accessibility whatsoever, uh, if they strive for best practices, which I think, you know, I, which I explained in the question, but basically means, you know, you try to do the best job you can, but you're not aiming to meet some kind of regulation compatibility or whatever. Right. And like then the level la- one versus three. Right. Right. And then the last one is people who are trying to strive for that accessibility standard. So we broke all that down and one of the things we came out in here, uh, which I thought was interesting about 20 just about 25% of people are paying no attention to accessibility whatsoever which is a little bit shocking I know we just talk about it so much in the group Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like at least everybody's thinking about it but you know a quarter of the people it's not even it's not even a part of their process or thinking whatsoever
1: right and a lot of that could also be due to the fact that maybe they're dealing with clients where like accessibility isn't necessarily a huge deal like I know like you know very small businesses mom and pops like there's a there's a good chance that yes, like a, accessibility is important, and most sites should have it. But legally, and granted, I'm not a lawyer. Like from what I understand, you know, it, it it depends on the size of the business and what type of things you're offering. Also, where this comes into play. So if you're only doing small two person, like you know, or or like two employee businesses, it might not be as uh like an attractive an option for these uh, these businesses. Because it does, you know, the, the next line there, of the people that do focus on accessibility, more than half are charging 5000 plus. So depending on the type of clients these people have, accessibility may just not be a, the best option starting out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're taking a look at accessibility as like a legal requirement more than just best practices so many mm-hmm. of the accessibility things just make your website look better or function better or uh you know it opens it up to more people being able to use it so i would definitely encourage those people and i know you're not advocating for only the legal side of it but right. i would definitely encourage those people that fall in that 25 percent range there's so many little things you can learn, like just testing your the color contrast on things, or if the theme you're using, you know, has keyboard navigation where you can navigate through the menu or skip down to the content. Those little things that you can fix really easily and just make part of your process are going to make a huge difference. Uh, not only, you know, forget the legal side of it, but just in making a better website. So, definitely, I definitely, I would, I hope when we do this next year that that number's a lot lower.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that like, you know, I, I, the legal side of it is something that, that I do consider, but um, what you just mentioned, you know, the, the keyboard navigation and the contrasts and everything that's easy enough. Like once you learn it and you add it into your process, it just becomes another thing that you naturally incorporate into your builds. And that can be a, a fantastic way to win clients. I know that when I speak about privacy policies or accessibility, when it is just these basic aspects of it clients ears do perk up like it is something that most people want to offer and i'm i'm more talking like the the first time there about yes it does you know it includes more work so the the scope of work increases slightly and you know that that may increase the cost of the website but if you do the like the i don't want to call it minimal amount of effort here but you know the the basics and just incorporate that into your uh, your process it doesn't feel like more work i mean i've been doing it i know you've been doing it kyle does it feel like more work to you
0: no i mean i've just come to the fact that like so many of these things i've i've had to look them up and reread about them and all that so many times that now they're just ingrained in me and Mm -hmm. i know when i put a new color into my color palette i'm like "Eh, i need to go make sure this is going to work on this background color and it takes two seconds to open a little contrast checker check it tweak it if i need to and then go on about my business so things like that have just become kind of second nature at this point
1: For sure. And I think that like the more you do it too, the more you can, you can just glance at a color or like a set of colors and be like, ah, this is probably going to work or "Mm, this isn't. And you know, it it just, it kind of becomes natural.
0: All right. So kind of the same set of data here, but it's about SEO. So basically we asked how many people don't pay attention to SEO at all as they're building websites. How many people are just doing the basics, like kind of on page stuff and how many people are doing really thorough SEO work in in most of their build. Not really surprising, as you put here in the graphic, almost 98% of them are doing at least basic SEO stuff on their websites. Uh, hopefully, this is the kind of numbers we see for accessibility next year. Absolutely. And then it's worth noting that of those people that are doing thorough SEO on their website are charging $5,000 or more, which it's not super surprising because you know that if you're doing all that thorough SEO, hopefully you're charging for all those things. So if you're looking for ways to increase that average price of your projects, SEO is obviously a great add-on that can benefit almost any site. So that's definitely something to look at if you're not spending a lot of time on SEO.
1: Yeah, absolutely. SEO is one of those things that a little bit easier to prove to a client um, that they're going to get their money back. I mean, if you're implementing SEO correctly and doing it right, a higher price tag on a website doesn't mean as much because they're going to make that back.
0: Yeah, it's an investment rather than an expense. Exactly. All right, so here's some questions we asked on outbound marketing. So we asked people if they're doing any outbound marketing, and 80% of the people said they're, that no, they're not doing any kind of outbound marketing. And I, I kind of fit into that too. I'm really letting the game come to me. Yeah. Unless you count you know, content marketing, which is it's not really outbound. It's, it's a little bit different, but I'm not making any cold calls or doing a lot of like going out to networking events or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, I I definitely fall into that group as well. Um, It's probably something that we all should be doing a little bit, but I mean, the 80.2% is, it was actually a little bit surprising to me. I figured that that would be lower. I thought that more people would be doing this.
0: Yeah, I did too. And especially with how many posts you see of people saying like, how do I get more clients? How do I get better clients? I feel like That's probably one thing that a lot of those folks aren't doing that they could be doing to immediately solve some of those problems. So it's not always fun to do those things. And I suppose it's more work. So that's probably why people aren't doing it. But the number here, 27% of the people that are doing outbound marketing are made $200,000 or more in 2021. So chances are, if you are doing that, you're going to be on the higher end of that income range than those who aren't.
1: Yeah. And I I, I wouldn't just say that it's, uh, you know, it's more work or anything. I have a a sneaking suspicion. A lot of our our group are are similar individuals to myself. Um, So really, I'm I'm, I'm really just speaking to myself, um, or about me, picking up the phone and doing a cold call that just, it is not something that it is work. But more than that, it's kind of nerve-wracking and I'm an introvert I I work alone I don't have that much uh, contact with the outside world so the the idea of picking up the phone and calling businesses and like I hate to say it but harass people like that's how I feel I don't want to be that guy but at the same time if you do it right it's it doesn't come off that way
0: yeah and I think uh, cold calling is one example, right? But there are other ways to do outbound marketing. So another one that we kind of lumped into this category was email marketing mm-hmm. uh, to help promote their business and strengthen relationship. About half the people in the group are doing some form of email marketing. And that those numbers pan out here uh, in this podcast as well, because I do and you don't. So right. uh, why, why don't you do any kind of email marketing?
1: Um, on that side of it, like... I mean to be to be completely uh, honest, it is more work on my end, and a lot of my clients like when I send stuff out, like they are they are grateful for it. But at the same time, my client base, I'm not entirely sure what it would be that they'd want. Um, I've tested the waters in a few things, like you know, here are your analytics. This is what we're doing. This is like you know how you're your site's been doing, but, and even like just sending tips and everything. And my, my clients don't like, I don't, I don't know if they even care. They'll call me when they, uh, they have like questions or, or concerns or, or whatnot. And if I do see something concerning, I'll reach out to them directly. But the, like the monthly emails or the, uh, like the, the tips on writing content or, you know, I like, i my clients just don't do that. So i it's more work for something that I'm not entirely sure is uh, is wholly beneficial.
0: I mean, I see what you mean. I definitely think, you know, I send a weekly email out, shout out to Nurture Copy for that because it's not a whole lot more work because I just pay them to write it all and then I copy and paste it and send it out. So not a ton of work on my end. And you're right, like I look at the statistics and see how many people are opening it and who's not. And I can tell which clients actually open it up and take a look at it every week and which ones don't. And it's not a huge percentage. However, I would push back on the fact that every week, Uh, whether I personally reach out to them or not, because you mentioned like sending analytics and stuff. And I wouldn't think of that as email marketing rather than just, you know, building a relationship one-on-one with your client. I'm thinking of this as more like one-to-many type thing. Mm -hmm. Every week I'm popping up in all of my clients and all of my prospects inbox. So I'm, I'm peeking into their consciousness at least once a week, uh, even if it's just to delete my email. So When, you know, 20% of people that are doing outbound marketing, reach out to my clients, because you know, people are reaching out to your clients about doing whatever you do for them. You know, I'm always on the top of their mind. So I'm sure you have clients that you haven't talked to in a few weeks, a few months, you know, maybe six months or a year, I, I have clients that I haven't talked to one on one in that long. But I am showing up in their inbox every week and like helping provide value to them, whether they take advantage or not, that's, that's not on me, but I'm there doing it. And mm-hmm. I think that does make a difference in the long run.
1: Yeah. And you know, to, to go back to my, uh, my previous point is that like my client retention rate is, is, is great. You know, I think I've lost, uh, probably two care plan, uh, clients in the last decade. Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming from where it's like, it is more work because my I don't have like any issue with uh, with churn. If I did start to see that that issue, I would probably be a little bit more proactive about these things. But just because I, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe I should start. Maybe I should uh, I should test it for a few months and see what the reaction is. And being on the forefront of, of somebody's mind, I can say that when I do send things out. For example, like like the Google Search Consoles monthly emails, where it's like, hey, you got this many clicks, you did this. I did I did actually test that this month, and I sent out to uh, to all the the clients that I have under under that, and uh, I did get a lot of responses that are like, hey, this is super th- uh, this is super helpful, um, and I actually got a few that immediately reached out and they're like, hey, you know what, that reminds me, I need to do this, and I got a you're, I got a little bit of work out of it.
0: You're proving my point. You I am Reach out to them, and point. then you remind them that they need you. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on here. Let's see. Um, so one of the questions I asked is kind of what is your trajectory of your business? Are you growing? Are you stagnant? Or are you declining? Thankfully, a very small percentage feel like they're declining only 2.8%. 2, 2. Most people are growing. And I definitely have seen that inside the group. It seems like since COVID, our industry's obviously grown a lot just because everybody's learned that they need to take their business online. So mm-hmm. this one didn't didn't shock me too much.
1: No. And the only thing that I really wanted to add to this is that this is all self-reporting. So take this especially, I think, with a grain of salt, you know, whether or not you're growing stagnant or declining, um, because this is self-reporting, it's kind of sometimes it's it's hard to see, uh, you know, the the forest through the trees. So this was, and I, I guess I'm coming from a place where like this is, for me, was one of the harder questions to uh, to answer. Like, I'm I'm more stagnant than I am growing, but at the same time, like I, I really don't often like sit down and crunch all of my numbers and like really see like what's going in, what's coming out, like so I could potentially be declining. I don't believe I am. Um, like I mean, the end of the year reports show that I'm not, but this is a question that like I've I've always had, and I know there are ways to do it. Kyle, you went to uh, to school for business. Um, mm-hmm. But like I, I'm not really that well versed in like looking at a uh, at, you know your own business as a whole and being able to like suss out exactly how you're doing with you know actual numbers. Yeah, like, I get, do you have any I advice mean, I, on that?
0: I I do track all of like my sales and expenses every month. So I can see, you know, what my profit margins were every month, how much money I made this month versus last month or this month versus the same month last year. So I do look at those things pretty regularly, but I mean, the ultimate telltale sign for me is like, what does my bank account look like? And my bank account for the last couple of years has been growing nicely. And that's, mainly due to the the work I'm doing so for me it's definitely on the on the growing side of things
1: see and that that there are right there so I definitely I mean I look at my my like you know monthly and yearly numbers um, but in the last I want to say maybe four years I've I've begun begun to realize that like I don't necessarily like need to make more so does that make me stagnant in that like I'm measuring my success now not as much uh in the monetary range but in the how much do i enjoy working and how much stress does this work give me i'm i'm trying real hard to uh to live like as stress-free as possible and yes like money definitely helps that but at a certain point i don't feel like i necessarily need to make more i just need to continue doing what i'm doing and yeah, like with better so,
0: clients and take more time off. Yeah, so yeah. I guess this is this is a good point where the words matter, right? Had I put uh, steady instead of stagnant, mm. that has a whole different meaning to it, right? So stagnant definitely has a negative connotation where steady sounds like a good thing. Like you're growing, you're steady, you're declining or you're growing, you're stagnant, you're declining. Those things definitely feel different. So that's it's a, a good note for next year as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll have four choices next year.
0: Yeah, there you go. All right. What is your best source of leads? So I gave people some options to choose from. Uh, so we didn't get kind of crazy answers here, but no surprise at all. 75% was the winner with referrals. That's where most everybody gets their leads from. I honestly don't think that's a bad thing. Those are the best leads to get. I think that's, you know true in our agency across the board this is one i would feel comfortable saying like this is probably how it works across every wordpress agency um so and definitely for no many surprise businesses
1: for just in general i think
0: yeah it, it was interesting here to see that the paid ads play such a low percentage in this especially since so many agencies offer paid advertising mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see you know we're we're in the marketing industry you know so for us to not be us as a whole to not be taking advantage of something that, you know, a lot of businesses survive on paid ads is kind of interesting though. I don't do any paid ads. So I don't have anything to really add about that.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, even, even still like the, uh, to, to look at the numbers above, uh, for the, uh, the outreach, um, only 0.6% uh, were gained from cold calling granted, like that's a smaller pool. So it's going to be a smaller number. Um, I just I, I just assumed that that would be uh, a little bit higher due to the uh, the other answers we got.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. All right, and here's one where everybody can get out their pitchforks. Here, um, <laughs> how are we building our website? So I asked everybody's uh, preferred page builder. So. Um, we asked. I, I put a few choices in here and then an other. Uh, so Elementor, Beaver Builder, Divi, Blocks, which could be a million different things, uh, Oxygen, Bricks, or Other. And no surprise, Elementor is still in the lead with about a third of the people in the group using Elementor. Uh, just uh, right neck and neck is Beaver Builder, Blocks, Oxygen, and Divi just slightly behind, but all four of those are actually pretty close.
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not surprised about Elementor. I'm not surprised about Beaver Builder. Um, Blocks, not really surprised. I'm a little bit more surprised uh, on the Oxygen and Divi side, to Mm -hmm. be honest.
0: I imagine we'll have to go back and rewatch this next year when we do this. But I imagine that Blocks number is going to grow quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that Elementor number will come down quite a bit next year. I completely agree. Yeah, interesting to see. And you know, people people talk so favorably about bricks, and I've played with it a little bit, but I haven't spent a lot of time with it. And it does some really awesome things. The way it does dynamic data is really great it it feels like you're working inside of Elementor with like all the tools you can have available to you. Mm-hmm. But like the performance is night and day. Uh, it does really great on all that. I think there's so much promise there and the people that talk about it talk about how much promise it has, but only 0.3% of the people that we surveyed are actually using it, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: But I think a lot of that comes to uh, to the fact that like Bricks is still very uh, much in its infancy. Um, I've looked into it. I've tested it out a little bit. Actually, I, I own it. Um, but I don't feel like right now it's ready for like prime time. Um, mm. there are still some things that I'd like to see added before I start like actually like, you know, maybe using it. So I think that, that, that number probably will raise in the, uh, the coming years as well, if they keep doing what they're doing and doing it as well as they are.
0: It's interesting too. Cause you, you say that as an Elementor user, like Brick still needs some things, me as somebody who's just primarily using blocks, I feel like bricks does a lot of things that blocks still don't do. So for me, it, moving from like blocks to bricks, God, that gets confusing. <laughs> I would have more features and like functionality available than I do now. And you're looking at it saying I would have less, you know, which is just interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. And granted, I haven't like I haven't really dug into it um, for about a year at this point. So I mean, I, I could be totally missing the uh, the point here.
0: Probably I are. Yeah. All right, so let's uh that that that's the end of the infographic here the rest of this post has a ton of tables where i've broken down um all of these questions in more detail so i'm showing you the exact percentage of uh, the average website project price uh the average agency annual revenue uh, revenue uh here's one that we didn't talk about which was uh, wordpress agency percentage of recurring revenue so what what percentage of your revenue your annual revenue comes from recurring revenue which I realize there's probably a ton of people who like don't have numbers on this and are just going with a gut feeling. I do have numbers on this. uh, So this was one that was easy for me to answer. So I imagine we'll have to take this with a grain of salt too. But uh, most, you know, 20% were in the 10 to 19% range Uh, about 20% were in the zero to 9%. So, you know, almost half the people are getting 20% or less of their uh, recurring or their annual revenue from recurring sources. All right. So then we'll jump down here into accessibility. And I did give some kind of uh, notes about what all the choices were. And you can see a breakdown on uh, what what each people are doing. Uh, and then I took and, and looked at like, how does this affect people's average project price? And I did this for like everything inside this blog post, but uh, for their average project price and their annual re- uh, revenue. So I I took a few benchmarks here. So I said I used the the average project price of $5,000 or above, cause that was well above the average in the group. Mm-hmm. And I took um, for the annual revenue, I did 200,000 and above. So the idea here was you can look and see, okay, uh, the people who are aiming for compliance, 34% uh, Uh, 34% of those are making $5,000 or more per project, where the people that are not doing, not putting any focus on accessibility, only 25% of those are making $5,000 or more. So hopefully that makes sense on all these, but I did just have to pick a number to go off of and use on all these. So I did the $5,000 per project or more, and then the $200,000 or more per year. So you can kind of look and see how that affects both of those things. Same deal on SEO here, you can go through all those numbers. No huge surprises there. Um, The people that are doing thorough SEO are making, you know, a lot more of them are making $5,000 or more on average. Um, Outbound marketing, you can see the same things here on how that affects your project price and your annual revenue price. Um, Charging for discovery. So this is one that's not in the infographic but was interesting. So I just asked people, do you charge for project discovery? And the choices were never, sometimes, or always. 52% of the people said they never charge for uh, Discovery, 37.9% said they sometimes do, and only 10% said they always do. So what I thought was interesting about this is going back and looking, okay, so how does that affect the price you're charging for websites and your total revenue? And the people that are always charging for Discovery, almost 60% of those are charging $5,000 or more, and 23% Twenty-three percent of those are making two hundred thousand dollars or more a year, which was the leading in both of those categories. So, to me, obviously, grain of salt, caveats, all of that. The <laughs> people that are charging for discovery are making more per project, and they're making more per year. So, might be a good thing to look at if you're looking to improve both of those things.
1: For sure, um, Kyle, do you uh, do you charge for discovery?
0: So. I, I've been in the sometimes category. I, I was in the never category for a long time Then the sometimes category. I guess I'm still in the sometimes category now, uh, but I'm getting better about it. And basically what I've started telling clients is you're gonna pay for discovery one way or another. Either we do it up front, you pay for it. You have the full documentation on everything. We have a clear picture. I can price your project really accurately. We can get through your project really quickly and you'll end up with exactly what you thought you were gonna end up with or you can not pay for discovery. We'll kind of wing things in your project. We'll 100% have uh, change, you know, scope changes. Uh, we'll 100% have some uh, misunderstanding on some things. We'll have to go back and reconfigure this stuff. So you'll end up paying for all this in the long run in us having to redo a bunch of work or, you know, missed, uh, you know, Mismatch expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up paying for it one way or another. And when I just explain it like that, as a, you know, not as a sales pitch, but it's just like these are the facts. I've done this enough times to tell you that if we don't plan everything up front, then we're going to have a big tangled mess at the end. When I have pitched it like that, it's been a no brainer for people.
1: Yeah. And the, the, the way that you just said it, like that, that completely makes sense. And it's not salesy, it is just matter of fact. And, yeah, you know, people, it is what it is. people definitely respond better to that too
0: yeah all right here's another one that's not inside the infographic but is interesting so we asked the people if they had a niche or not so the choices were no yes or kind of uh because i feel like there's a ton of people that would fit inside the kind of Uh, no was the yeah no was the leading category with 54.2 percent of people surveyed had no niche at all kind of came in second place with 27 percent, and yes came in third with 18%. So another interesting thing here, just to see how having a niche affects your uh, project prices and annual revenue. So again, the people that had a niche are more likely to uh, get $5,000 or more for a project, and they're more likely to get $200,000 or more in annual revenue, which doesn't surprise me at all.
1: No, and it's it's interesting too that this, along with the uh, the the other other one up up, up there. Um, that like niching down and finding your niche and like really like working in that um, is again, one of those things that everybody says to do and yet half of us aren't.
0: Yeah. And I think one thing that affects the numbers on this too is Generally, people who are just starting out don't have a niche, and mm-hmm. generally, people who are just starting out are making less. So, you know, part of this is just like longevity in here. Uh, the people who've been doing this longer are gonna make more money, and those people are more likely to have a niche. So, you know, maybe it's not a perfect correlation, but it is interesting. So, here's one on email marketing kind of same thing again. We gave them the choice of no, yes, or kind of, uh, and then break down how that affects the price of their project. And this is one of those things where uh, what you put in the infographic was not what I took out of this data. So this is one I definitely wanted to pause on and talk about. For sure. Um, and it goes back to kind of our our argument of should you be doing this or not. So for me, what I looked at in this and, and saw was of the people who are doing email marketing or kind of doing email marketing, they're much more likely to get $5,000 or more for a project. And the people that are doing email marketing are quite a bit more likely to get $200,000 or more in annual revenue. And unlike a niche or SEO or accessibility, like this has nothing to do with building the company's website. This is just marketing, right? So for me, it was really interesting to see that the people who are putting the time in with email, the numbers bear out that they're doing better. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's true, and that's that's something that you do that I I should probably get on board, like absolutely.
0: Another shout out for nurture copy. It's just way too easy. (laughs) All right. uh, So same deal here with hosting. And I don't think this was in the infographic either. So we'll spend a little time on it. So this was just a yes or no question. Do you offer hosting as part of your care plans or maintenance or otherwise uh, to your clients? So are you responsible for hosting client websites? 82.2% said yes. And 17.8% said no. Honestly, with how many people in the group Talk about maybe it's just like a loud minority. Talk about how they would never want to host their client site because the liability and the twenty four seven support and all those kinds of things, which I don't offer. But uh, yeah. I really didn't think this would be so drastically split.
1: Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Um, I mean, I offer hosting. I know you do as well. Um, but I fought it for quite a while. Um, like. I think like, again, this, this might be that we have a lot of people that are, are, you know, newer to the industry. And if they were anything like me, when you are newer, like, that's just something that you're like, it takes confidence and it takes like, and I'm not saying that they're not confident. It's just that it's one of those things that I think is easier, the longer you, uh, you work in the industry.
0: Yeah. It's scary. It It is, you know, getting into, getting into servers and fixing things is scary um it does marginally show that the people who are doing it it's increased their annual revenue which you know you're charging for that hosting so that's no big surprise really right there mm-hmm. um a couple of little miscellaneous things both of the or all of these i think were in are maybe not all of them uh the trajectory was in the infographic the lead sources in the infographic uh, favorite page builder was in there but one that wasn't a uh, type of content created by agencies. so i asked folks Uh, what kind of content they're creating for their own agency, for their own marketing. So the choices were no content, written content, audio, or video. Now, these percentages, as you might notice, add up to way more than 100 because they were able to select multiple things. So they might do written and video or audio and written or whatever it may be. Um, 62.8% are doing written content, which doesn't surprise me. That seems Mm -hmm. to be the easiest one to do uh next on that list was doing no content whatsoever 36.6% are not producing content video came in at 22 and a half and audio only came in at 5.6 so I- Nothing about this really surprises me. That's kind of what I what, where I figured it would be at. How about you?
1: Yeah, um, the same. And I think that uh, if, if I were to say or if, if, if these numbers were to correspond to my thoughts on each one um, and my willingness to do them, uh, <laughs> it's probably about the same. You know there's, that is the mix. Like just audio doesn't really make sense to me. So I have like a 5% chance that I'll do that video yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely more willing to do that written. No, no question. Like this year actually was the year that I've really started to, uh, to start learning that habit of like, let's, let's get more content out there. So, you know, previous to that, it was no content. So yeah, like it, it doesn't come to, uh, come to me as a surprise.
0: I imagine next year we'll see that video number go up too, just because it's, it, it gets easier and easier to do. And Mm -hmm. I think the numbers prove that it's definitely helpful. All right, the last thing I wanna talk about in here, and this was some data that I actually just thought of this morning and put into this post this morning as I was uh, thinking about doing this call. So because of the huge percentage of people we have in the group that are solo agencies, they're the only one inside their agency. Uh, And because of how many people were making less than a hundred thousand dollars, maybe I'm making assumptions here that they'd like to make a hundred thousand dollars. But what I wanted to do here was pull in uh, some of this data and say, okay, of the agencies who are solo and making a hundred thousand dollars, how do these numbers look for all of these different categories, right? So mm-hmm. the only thing you're seeing inside this are the percentages for folks that are solo and making a hundred thousand dollars or more. Um, now there were only 24 people that met this criteria. So now the sample size is really, really low. It's not the 300 we had before, but it's still interesting to see, uh, those who are kind of at that point in their agency, uh, how these things are helping them. So focus on SEO, The basics one huge, 83.3% are just doing the basics. Um, Accessibility uh, surprised me. The number one answer for that of these agencies was they were aiming for compliance, which was the strictest standard on this uh, survey. Uh, Charging for discovery, 60% are never doing it. Um, This one aligned pretty well with with the general population. Um, Has an identifiable niche. 58% Uh, 58% said no, 29% said kind of, and 12% said yes. So that doesn't seem to make a huge difference between these folks that are solo with $100,000 or more uh, and just the general people we surveyed. Um, of these people, 70% are not doing any kind of email marketing, 25% are, 4% are kind of doing it. And then, as far as hosting their agencies, 91.7 or hosting their clients' websites, 91.7%. Uh, Are and 8.3% aren't. So if you're kind of in that category of you're solo, you're trying to get to $100,000, that kind of data might be interesting to you as well.
1: Yeah, I'm curious of these uh, these 24 folks, like if they were to uh, to start, you know, altering their their um, like what they're offering, how they're doing it, all that stuff to. uh, to correlate better with the uh, the higher income ones i, I wonder how much of a, a difference they would like they would see within that first year of uh, of doing so
0: yeah i mean there's just some things where you know you're going to start charging more so when you start doing more SEO, you're gonna be adding billables to the projects, so you mm-hmm. should make more, you know? So I think there's some things that you'd have like a really direct correlation on, some things like a niche, which is gonna be a little bit more abstract. Maybe we wouldn't see a difference in a year, but maybe over the course of time, you know, if we could split somebody's journey and in one path they got a niche and in the other one they didn't in two alternate universes and see what happens to them five years down the road, I bet there would be a difference. Obviously right. we can never prove it, not yet anyways. Yeah, not until that we would be people. <laughs> (laughs) That would be
1: fantastic to see.
0: All right, so I think that just about does it going through all this. Super excited to have all this out there. Uh, Definitely check the link uh, below wherever you're watching or listening to this. We'll have a link to the Airtable base where you can go into all the raw data yourself. You can sort it, filter it. You could copy that Airtable base and do whatever you want with it. So you can kind of extrapolate that data into whatever makes sense for you. And if you come up with some cool findings, like Matt said, definitely share those with us because we'll be more than happy to add some of these things to our uh, blog post as well um if you want to have conversations with people share this information anywhere we definitely uh encourage that we'd love to see this shared around and talked about more obviously these were just our opinions on it and you know like we said grain of salt with all the data but it is really interesting to uh to look at and kind of parse through and, and see what you think so we also If you have suggestions on what you'd like to see done differently next time, I am keeping a list of this and we'll probably just shoot for doing this probably January of next year and try to keep this kind of a yearly tradition. And that way, I'd like to keep some of the questions the same so we can see how those track over time, but I definitely want this survey to get better and better over time too. So definitely share those with us. You can email us at cheers at theadminbar.com or just join us in the group and drop a message in there. There'll be a dedicated thread for this podcast episode inside the group. So we can continue that conversation as well inside there. And we'd definitely love to know uh, your thoughts on all this. So I guess we will wrap it up for today. You can go to theadminbar.com forward slash group and get inside of our group or go to theadminbar.com forward slash podcast, where you can find this episode and all the show notes to it. We look forward to hearing your thoughts on all this and uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe button. That helps us out greatly. Uh, I hate saying it, so I waited to the very, very end where most people aren't watching. So uh, if you're still here, thank you for that. All right. Well, Matt, we will catch you in the next one, and we will see all of you inside the group. Bye-bye.